When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode of the Birdshot Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, we're talking why Upland Hunters miss with Chris Batha. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 238. All right, welcome to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We've got a great conversation coming up for you today with Chris Batha. We will get to that in just a few moments. I do want to thank Patreon patrons of the Birdshot Podcast, those of you out there making voluntary contributions to the show, supporting our supporting our efforts to keep these great conversations coming your way. As a thank you to them, they get access to some bonus content, Patreon giveaways. We set everybody up with some Birdshot Podcast can coolers and stickers. You can learn more and sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Everybody else, if you love the show and you want to do something really simple, feel free to leave the show a rating, a review, subscribe to the show, follow the show, tell a friend about an episode you liked, share the Birdshot podcast with your hunting buddy. Every little bit helps, and I appreciate you taking the time to do so. All right, let's talk why upland hunters miss with Chris Batha. The timing of this show is just about perfect. I am recording this intro the day before I leave for my first hunting trip of the year. I'll be heading out to hunt sharp tails and huns on my annual trip with friends. Can't wait gonna be a blast when you are hearing this i will be at the tail end of my trip and just about ready to head home if i haven't started doing so already so i will either be smiling and laughing when this episode hits the airway or perhaps gritting my teeth and burying it another year after struggling to find my shotgunning skills early in the season as i did a year ago if you may recall i think i mentioned it on the episode with chris today i came home from my sharp tail trip last year and had some issues with my shotgunning, which is nothing out of the norm, but it was 
something the guys I was with and I all got a good laugh about when all was said and done, and I eventually sorted things out. I'm relatively confident that won't happen this year, but I'm probably jinxing myself just by saying that. So we shall see, and maybe on a future episode, you will hear how things eventually played out. But nonetheless, I read an article recently in Shooting Sportsman that Chris Batha wrote titled simply, Why Upland Hunters Miss? And he went through a list of things, common reasons for and mistakes that we might make that would cause us to miss our target or miss the bird. And I thought with it being mid-September, what better time to talk a little wing shooting, education, and instruction with one of the best. So I think you'll enjoy this one. And as I say on the episode, I would highly recommend Chris's book, The Instinctive Shot, A Practical Guide to Modern Wing Shooting. You can find it on Amazon just about anywhere. It is a great, great book. Got it on my bookshelf. It's very well broken out, very straightforward, and there's a lot of stuff in there that you can look back on and reference from time to time. It's a really, really great fundamental book about shotguns and shooting as it pertains to wing shooting and upland hunting. So with that said, let's welcome into the conversation and onto the Birdshot podcast, Chris Batha. My pleasure to welcome Chris Batha to the Birdshot podcast today. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Hey, I'm very happy to do so. So I'm looking forward to the hour or so. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun conversation and uh, a very timely one. Uh, why Upland Hunters Miss going to be the, the focus of our conversation today. We are we are just about ready to begin many, many hunting seasons around, around the country. And uh, it's an exciting time of year for all of us. I imagine yourself included, Chris. What's What's on your mind this time of year? Are you getting ready to to do trips i know you're probably still doing some gun fitting but what's what does chris's fall schedule look like uh well the, the fall schedule for for Rob and myself um is and the clients i've got we a lot of them go we travel to europe and down to south america um and a lot of upland bird shooting um obviously the the different seasons come in so you you, you can start looking at wildfowl um mostly i, I enjoy all shooting but uh I really do like uh, hunting the, the smaller birds, you know, quail and uh, so on and so forth. They, they, I like the cubby rises. They, you know, they do exactly what they're supposed to do to a, a fox, you know, like, mm-hmm. like and, and, and skedaddle his brain with with um, all kinds of uh, birds flying in different directions. This one, that one, this one. And uh, I think uh, it, it's one of the best, especially with wild birds, one of the, the, the best shooting experiences is um, the upland birds. Yeah, indeed. So I, I have to ask, might you, every year, do you go over, do you go overseas for the, the Glorious 12th? I'll start with uh, that. Yeah, um, the, the Glorious 12th is one of those ones, the grouse is the most expensive uh, shooting uh, in Europe, although they, they aren't in Europe, it's in, in, in Scotland and England. Yeah. Um, the, the the grouse live in grouse moors, and the the the, the grouse moors are owned by um, the, the aristocracy, and it's a very expensive form of shooting. You can get a, a a different one where you can actually walk up the birds as you would as an upland bird hunter, and um, but the the grouse are just um, they're, they're they're strange little critters. They they they're quite quite funny. And uh, they they then it sounds like get back get back you know and and they'll all march up and so you you walking up and the heather is soft so you you have to lift your legs up so it's quite 
you have to be fit to get you know to to to, to be out there. You, mm-hmm. you walk a lot, shoot a little, um, unless you're lucky enough to be shooting driven grouse, and and then you've got a loader and uh, you sit in the butt and the birds are driven towards you. So and that's the landed gentry with really deep pockets. Yeah. So um, you, you, the walking up grouse is is a very special. Um, it, 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 the, the birds are wild, you know, truly wild, and they they get out of dodge and, and they skim over the top of the header. You know, they're almost like small fighter jets. And, yeah. Um, they're, 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 it, especially with the header all purple at that time of year, and and and, and the, just everything about it, the tweeds and and everything blended into the background, so that the the birds won't, um, you know, cross off, you know, and, and break away from the from the from the covey because of movement. Yeah. And. Uh, it's just, um, it, it is probably, you know, it should be on your on, on your bucket list is to try and get out, um, unless you're lucky enough, as I say, to um, have a, a, a the Lord of the Manor to invite you to shoot grouse, you know, from grouse butts. Yeah. But if you can get, you know, and there's lots of places that offer walked up grouse, that, that is a, a really great experience. Um, and one, as I say, that, you know, I can repeat myself, should be on the bucket list of all upland bird hunters. Yeah. it's. Have you ever had the chance to hunt uh, sharp-tailed grouse here out on the prairies? Um, I've done a little bit of that, but no. I, I haven't really got into the sharp-tails because just simply where where we are. So, right. you know, I've done quail and the different, you know, all the way through. But no, I'm not the sharp-tails, but that's a, a great-looking bird. And I would have said it was something like the rough grouse. Yeah. Well, not the rough grouse, the... the, the the red grouse, yeah, England. yeah, a and similar bird. You know, that's really why I asked because I, you know, I've I've seen I've of course never had the chance to do walked up grouse shooting overseas, but uh, you see the terrain and and the grouse moors and the heather and just kind of think rolling short short cover terrain and and those it's a native grouse species, so I I wonder if there are some some parallels. I'm sure maybe somebody out there listening has had a chance to do or see both. Well, I've, I've you know shot up, walked up grouse, and driven grouse when yep. I've been lucky enough. But but the um, I'd say the bird, those two birds are very similar. You know the the um, the, the, the flight pattern, how they break. You know the the the, the, you, you, I, the, the red grouse will chatter and you know they to each other. You know, yeah. and then I don't know if they're all saying like, "Get ready, we're going," <laughs> and that's when the covey takes off. Like, but that's what it sounds like. They're organising. You know the the, the breakout of. Of the first drive, is it typically done with uh, pointing dogs? From in your experience, yes, yeah, they'll, they'll have some cocker spaniels and some uh, some little Jack Russells and everything, sure. because the, 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 some of the grouse will get right underneath the heather. You know, when you're walking on there, you think you're walking up big solid hills, but the heather is quite quite steep, um, quite deep, and it, uh, it, it when you press down with your foot on it. It, it, it's sort of like there's no reaction, like, you know, you, there's no thrust back up. So it, it's quite tiring because you have to lift your legs up higher yeah. than, than than you normally would on the solid ground. And and uh, so the walked-up grouse is really exciting in the fact that, you know, you have flankers on the outside, the people shooting, everybody's got to be aware of everybody because these birds will just take off in all directions. And so you 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 move up and it, it's it, it, all of a sudden you'll get grouse that will hold steady and then just suddenly out of nowhere you know just explode like somebody threw a hand grenade into the heather and um and, and a lot of the times and it, it's amazing you know somebody will say which one did you knock down or did you knock anything down and he'll turn around and say i never got time to pull the trigger <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and so you know you're out there for 
if you're lucky to do two days, but even if you do a full day, um, it's a fabulous experience. And, and as you get used to how the grouse are, because they, 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 you know, they all and talk to each other, and um, they, they get up and fly, and they just cover over the contours of the ground and drop in again. Yeah. And um, it, 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 it's a, it, there, there is a oh, you, there isn't a great deal of shooting like the driven, but there's enough shooting and enough challenge to make it one of the, as I say, one of the best. Um, shooting experiences you can have yeah yeah the the sound they, i i don't recall hearing it. i'll have to go look up a video but it certainly made when you said that it made me think of a group of sharp tails getting up and kind of laughing at you as they fly away yeah yeah i agree entirely with that that that's a you know that's a little alarm system yeah you know that they, they don't know there isn't a fox or something or a ferret getting involved in the header yeah. it's like another you know it's just get out of jail you know chum, gone yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah. Uh, they are a wonderful bird to watch especially the, the driven which is extremely expensive but when you when you're in a grouse butt uh, or even if you you're beating You'll see the the, the the birds get underneath the header and they'll run along underneath the header and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you'll just get this huge um, cover. You, your cubby doesn't sum it up basically. You might have as many as sixty or eighty hundred mm. birds depending on how well the the, the they, they don't um, work well in captivity, so they have to be truly wild. Yeah, and they just sort of they they all lift as one like a like fighter jets and they all just. Go down, go down the side of the moors. They seem, seem to drift off and down the moors using it, and it's a spectacular to watch them how they fly and change and jink and everything else. And it's probably the reason why why it's the most expensive, you know, bird shooting, driven bird shooting um, there is. And uh, usually, it's low, it's lordship's land and his friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just uh, being a a wild wild bird species, you can't raise them in captivity. I mean that that plays into it. But yeah, that's again uh, so many parallels there with with sharp tailed grouse. And I guess it's yeah. not surprisingly just given where they where they evolved in the landscapes. But yeah, that's I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm a, I'm a week or week or two out from my my trip west to hunt sharp tails. And um, oh, when you get that you get that group rising, as you say when they, they all do it at the same time, you know, it's just amazing. You're walking along and you, you, the grass is ankle high and you're thinking, how could there, you know, the dog's on point and how could there be, how could there be birds here? I don't see anything. And then all of a sudden this group of birds takes to wing and uh, yeah, it's incredible. That's, it's, that's what, what we all love. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where their wings, where they're getting their first drive off the ground and their wings are almost slapping above them and yeah. they're all moving and changing and everything else. And going back to a, to, to a, a fox or anything trying to catch one you know snapping at it it's got little chance in my opinion <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're exactly like the red grouse they just get out of dodge yeah well it will we'll transition here in in a minute but i i will ask because you're you mentioned if somebody does uh have this on their bucket list or or takes your advice and puts it on their bucket list the what would be what would, what do you recommend if somebody was really interested in trying a trip like this? Do they get in touch with you, or do they do they go to a different outlet? How do you how does somebody get started in in doing a, a walk up grouse hunt? Yeah, the, 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 all of the grouse mowers. There's the, the small ones, big ones, large ones, and then also the grouse are truly wild, so you can't put them out like you know they do with pheasants and and, yeah. and so on. So. What, what 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 happens is they have to count the number of birds because they have to have enough left over at the end of the season to to, to get a, an, another 
you know, for the mm-hmm. next season, so there's enough birds to carry on the shooting and 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 and, and uh, looking after the birds and the moors, you know. So they 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 they'll shoot the walk up. They use it for counting. So when they go out, there might be ten or fifteen of you in a big roll across because these grouse moors are God's lost wilderness. It's just all heather and hills and rolling. It's spectacular. Uh, unless you're walking in it. <laughs> so, anyway, and when when you're going along, what will happen is all of a sudden you might get one will get out when you walk in and he'll get off, or, or you might get a, a cover of anywhere between 6, 10, 12, just depending on the, the outer covers or other birds um, mated that season and, and how many birds they can afford to, to shoot. So they have a counter of an evening. They, they, the... Um, Gamekeepers on the moors, they go out with a counter and a dog and they click uh, how many grouse they see or they put up as they go along. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they can work out how many times they can allow um, day shooting, you know, like walked up shooting, or how many times they can, um, through that season, uh, how many times they can um, put through the driven uh, grouse. And it, it's it it's really is talk about looking after nature and everything people say about shooting. If it wasn't for the grouse moors, there wouldn't be any grouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent. All right, Chris. Well, I appreciate I appreciate that. I, I wasn't uh, that wasn't part of the plan to go into that a little bit, but I figured I would ask. It is August, and and it's now September. And as we mentioned, uh, a lot of people are will be out hunting. Well, when they hear this, this will be it will be. Uh, second week of September or so and so hunting season will have started and I, I thought we would get you on the show because I was reading a, a recent uh, issue of shooting sportsmen and there was a there was an article in there by you you write in there pretty much every every issue and it was why upland hunters miss so that's a that's certainly a topic of interest anyways with folks listening to this but uh, listeners of my show may recall about a year ago when I returned from my sharptail hunting trip, I had a had a friend on. We discussed some of my shooting woes. I had some shooting woes out west last year, and it was mainly uh, uh, shotgun related, and just kind of my lack of uh, patterning and and understanding the shotgun I was shooting, and and a little bit getting in my head as as tends to happen to some of us. Uh, so I thought, what better time to bring Chris on and and talk through a few of the reasons why upland hunters miss? Again, the article was in Shooting Sportsman recently, and we're gonna we're gonna use that as our template for this conversation moving forward. So, Chris, why why don't we we start off with? Uh, we're just going to kind of work down this list, and you had posed a bunch of reasons why we might miss in the field. So unless you want to jump in with anything ahead of that, uh, poor gun mount is uh, is top of the list, at least as far as the article goes. Yeah, there, 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 there's a combination there, though. It, it's, it, it, the gun has to fit for, for to have, you know, you can't have a, 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 a poor gun mount, um, and the, the gun fitting goes out the window. You, you have to have... A, 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 and um, you have to have a good gun mount. They're 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 essentially together. Yeah. It's not one or the other. They're 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 like you could almost say it's a team. So gun fitting is essential because people come in all shapes and sizes, and um, you know long cheek you know long necks, high cheekbones. They need a gun sometimes with a Monte Carlo stock to get so they can put their head in a natural position to get good eyesight onto the birds they're shooting or good look at the birds. And um, others, uh, uh, you know, they fit the Mr. Five Foot Ten who weighs 165 pounds, and he's, they're they're all happy. But it goes from the very tall person to the very short person, and they need gun fittings. It's an essential part of it. 
Otherwise, you're lifting your head up to see down the barrel or you're pushing your head down to try and see down the rib. And uh, all of this fidgeting and head movement, an eighth of an inch on the gun, when you lift your head up an eighth of an inch, the, the barrel has moved up at two feet at 40 or 50 yards. You know, so, it, 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 you know, the, 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 the actual gun fit and gun mount uh, are a combination that are essential to, to really uh, consistent upland bird shooting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel like many times when I miss in the field, uh, I would say the most common thing, as you you pointed out, I usually will have some idea that I made a bad gun mount. I just That's a very, very common cause of a miss. You just know that something didn't feel right. Maybe you don't know exactly why or where you missed a bird, but something didn't feel right in the gun mount. And if we if we mounted the gun perfectly every time, we would all shoot a lot better. But it's it's hard to do, and there's there's a number of reasons why that is. It could be the terrain, could be the cover, could be just the the rush and the thrill of the birds getting up. I know I've been victim of every one of those and and many more. What what makes a good gun mount, Chris? I wonder if we could we could well, build the, that the, foundation a bit. Yeah, the, the gun mount. First of all, it, it, it's definitely the 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 the, um, the gun needs to fit for a start, and then there's yep. the gun mount, and you can't have one without the other. They're they're joined at the hip, and the gun fitting is to to First of all, you, you get the person and you, you have to get him to have good stance, posture, and head position. And that's, that's the, the fundamentals, you know, footwork comes into it for the upland bird shooter. But you have to create the right shape for the gun to, to, to come into your shoulder pocket and the uh, stock and the comb of the stock to be underneath your zygomatic buttress or cheekbone. Mm. And that should be a, a, an anchor to where every time you mount the gun when a bird flushes, you know, you you you, you do use foot, footwork and step into the line, but the gun comes into your cheekbone, your eyes, the rear sight, looking down over the gun to the bird, and then the, the lead and, and how the bird's jinking, that's all Mother Nature. So, um, <laughs> But, but the, the, the gun fitting is an essential, and, and, the, and the gun mount, they're, they're hand in glove. Um, they are easily the most fault of missing, is 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 um, gun fitting, poor gun mount, poor footwork. You know, and and you can talk to some of the best shots ever, and they'll tell you that the the, the best the, the movement that ever you know is is that you um your poor footwork is followed by I'm sorry your poor gun mount is easy the most fault of missing yeah. followed by footwork where they don't move their feet. In other words, they don't step into the line of flight and make the shot so they're releasing their body to, to swing the gun correctly. They, they, they lock up, i.e. the hips um, and, and the upper torso, um, that they lock up. And so you, you, that's when you, if you ever stand behind some people shooting, especially on a clays course as well, you see them rolling from one foot to the other. So their shoulders, they, they look, they, we call it windscreen wiping in the trade. They look like they're, they're wiping a windscreen on a car and so when it comes to the when it comes to the gun mount that is that is again it's a it's a common cause of miss being a poor gun mount but fortunately working in our favor a a gun mount is something that we can practice even at home Um, and i know there's there's some methods described in in your book the instinctive shot which i mentioned to you i read that a couple years ago and took a bunch of notes and um, i would love to get you back on at some point we'll we'll dive deeper into some of that stuff but what are what are some of the ways that we can 
we can work on our gun mount at home. Cause this is something that I've incorporated over the last handful of years that I feel like it, it's, you're greasing the groove in a way that when I do make a bad gun mount, I know that because I've practiced so many good gun mounts at home. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the one thing I always use and use for people, especially when I'm doing gun fittings with people, um, is I have a mirror on the wall at head height and, um, I have a hula hoop with a dot at two on twelve o'clock and on the ring of the hula hoop, and on and, and at um at two o'clock on the thing. So the feet are perfectly they they can't, they can't not do what I want them to do. So <laughs> they put they put the left foot on the on the one mark and the right foot on the right foot. This is for right to left shooters. Yep. And the left person turns you around, and that allows you to turn essentially through one hundred and eighty degrees. And then what you want to do is I, if there's a shelf, I put some cartridges on there uh, with a brass showing out and different gaps between them so the person can mount onto the first cartridge, swing to see the lead on the second cartridge, and then follow through, you know, which would be your lead. And then he can come back the other way and turn his feet uh, into the the, 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 his non-thing, and he can come back, see the lead, see, you know, the bird, Back, you know, they, they, this is all imaginary. Mm-hmm. And the good way to use it is, is you can buy a laser cartridge. Um, they, they, you can get them in, anywhere in, in, in Walmart or whatever. And you drops in the, the, the in the twelve gauge, and when you pull the trigger, the laser triggers. So if you're practicing at home and you've got a shelf or angles, you can you, you can get your body in the right shape, your footwork and everything, and then see the laser. You know, you don't rush. You, you smoothly move the laser along the lines of beams and along the lines of um, your, 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 the, the, the joint of wall and ceiling. And, and, and that's a, just a great way to um, smooth your gun mount and improve your gun mount and everything else. And as I say, the deadliest move a bird shooter can make is with his feet. So yeah. you, you start practicing your footwork. Now, I've seen some different... Uh, this is kind of a side note, but I've seen some different laser mechanisms where uh, I've seen one that drops into the bore and then there's like a, a cord and it actually attaches to the trigger. So when you depress the trigger or, or you, you're pressing on the trigger, you're not actually, you know, dry firing the gun, but uh, then it points the laser at the wall. It sounds like the one you're talking is much more simple. I, I don't have something like that. Is it really something that you, do you just kind of turn the laser on, drop it in the bore and then it's, it's on and then as I'm mounting the gun and swinging around and following the corners of my ceiling and walls, um, the laser's going along with it? Yeah, the, 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 the ones that I use is, uh, in particular is it's just a brass one, but it's got a, a soft top on it. So you can drop it, you know, it's not on all the time. You drop it into the, the chamber of the shotgun and then, you know, along the line you're using or the wall or whatever. Yep. And you, um, when you when you pull the trigger, so I usually put two cartridges up, say, four feet apart, and I move to the first one and, and, and then swing out to the second one and pull the trigger and the laser detonates and you can see you've you're, got hard focus on the, as you would be on the bird, but the gun's in your peripheral vision and the laser it's the you know like the, the, where you the, the amount of lead you need and where you're mounting. As I say, I like to do it along lines and walls and ceilings. Yeah, and, and it's a really good way to um, improve your gun mount because there's a the, the, you know a visual um, reference to it every time you do it. 
Yeah, so so it's really it's like a snap cap essentially. That yeah, it, 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 that's what it is. It is okay. a snap cap, but all it's got in, inside is a little spring yep. with a lid, so you can close it and, and 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 you can either fire it and it will come on, or you can just close it and get the light on full time. And it's good for the lines of walls and ceilings and gun mount drills and it, it you know it, it, and it, it's it's um. I I never I, I must buy so many of them because as soon as somebody <laughs> sees one, I give it them you know during a lesson sure. or, or whatever, and and we we we're there and I always start indoors because you know if you, you take somebody outside and all they want to do is go pull the trigger sure and and and, and they they get it with a laser so quickly you know the walls and lines the ceilings that that um, you know they always end up buying it off me. You know, they, they, you know, can I have it and take it away? And, and, and I, I, it doesn't bother me. I just order another couple. But um, it, it really works well in, in, in learning, you know, the, the controlling, because you've got this continuous visual um, yeah. aid memoir going on, whatever you can think. And, and it works really well. Do you, do you happen to know the, the brand name of it, or perhaps you could you could send it to me later? Yeah, I could find it later for you. It, okay. it, it, it's basically, I'll make a little note of that, but uh, um, I buy them on um thing. I'll get it for you, the, the laser thing. I'll get it back to you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I'll, I'll put a yeah, note, we'll, note for that, and we'll put it in the show notes for people. Yeah, no problem. Excellent, yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, that's that's something, you know, again, I've seen these things, but I've never actually bought one, and I, I, I some of the ones I've seen are a little bit more involved than than the way that one sounds so that one sounds real simple so um. yeah well the, the, a lot of people have got them where they they stick them in the end of the barrel and there's a wire come down mm-hmm. and sits on their yep. finger and then they pull the trigger and they're, they're, they're all good yeah but, but i've just found this one you 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 you, you know you, you drop it in the chamber you close it up it, you know it, it, it comes on and you can you know i usually put um things for, for lead so i'll i'll put something dead in center in front of me. I'll keep looking at it and move the gun off to the left four feet and then come back to the middle, keep looking at the the, 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 you know, the cartridge laser and move it off to the right, you know, four feet and then come back and you've got the um, the laser, um, you know, showing you whether, you, you know, you see so in the gun mount or you're, yep. you're, you're lifting your head up to see what's going on or you're transferring weight from one foot to the other and rolling your shoulders and hence the gun off the line. And it's great if you're indoors because you've got wonderful lines of walls and ceilings and, you know, if you could open up uh, on uh, on the... Um, the, the the woodwork, you know, where you can drop an angle and, and shoot an angle and stuff. You know, barns are excellent for it, but you know, garages, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you can have your own little little workout room. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I I can see myself doing it out here in the in the office uh, already. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure some of the listeners have have these things too, so we'll probably get some more recommendations. But yeah. you mentioned something there that. Um, I think having seen our mutual friend Del Whitman do a lot of gun fittings over the years uh, and talking to you quite a bit, um, one thing that's that's very common that I think, as you pointed out, the laser would be great for that is if somebody has not focused on it before, um, when they're going through the gun fitting process, you will what what they'll realize is a lot of people have a lot of excess muzzle movement. You, you said seesaw, so when you're mounting the gun, the muzzle will dip down sharply and then come back up to the target and in working with Dell and, and, and watching these gun fittings, you know, you really want to minimize any excess muzzle movement. You want to keep a very, 
a very focused muzzle movement directly to the bird and keep that. And this is all sort of built into the gun mount and keep that from teeter tottering. Boy, what a great example that the laser would, would highlight that for somebody immediately. If you see that laser jumping all over the wall. Yeah. If you see the, 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 the better shot, you know, the more consistent shots that, 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 you know, even in clay shooting, you know, that the, the, the really top shooters, it looks like they hardly move. Yes. You know, they have good footwork. Uh, the gun's in its right place. It comes into their cheek. They're turning it with the big muscles of the body, not lifting and throwing it around with the arms. And, and they point out with the arms and the hands. And, 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 you know, they're looking at the target hard and, and whether it goes left, right, up or down. They, they apply the lead and, 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 and shoot it. And it's all one smooth motion. And the trouble is they make it look so smooth. It, 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 they look so quickly. And so you get other people... Um, try to emulate them, and, and they'll get the gun, and they'll first of all, they'll do is yank the stock into their shoulder pocket yeah. so that the, the barrels drop about a foot, and then they recover from that and find another foot. But meanwhile, the clay target or the bird's still going, yeah. and then you, you you finally get to it and fire, and, and you know it, it's a hit or miss. You know, do you hit it or do you miss it? And um, I think the laser um, is such a great tool to use as long as you use it smoothly and carefully and, and, and don't go rushing with it just to get that, that turn into the body, you know, the feet in the right place, the turn into the body, the mounting of the gun and the lines of walls and ceilings up pillars. And it, it's amazing how quickly somebody, only five, ten minutes of an evening, you know, where it's safe to obviously leave the a shotgun or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, you, you, you come in and you, you might think, well, I'll do 10 gun mounts or I'll do 10, 10 diagonals, you know, where I drop the shoulder because I could be shooting up on hilly land and, and, I, and now you've got a different terrain to come into. If it's flat, it's everything's good, but if you've got a hill, you've now got to drop the shoulder to, to, to get the barrels back on the same trajectory as, as, as the birds flying. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna order one as soon as as soon as you send me the one that that you like to use because I'm smiling over here because you I mentioned earlier I do practice gun mounts in in the garage in the office I've been doing that but even when I'm doing that I'm I will catch myself snapping the gun up to my shoulder you know just this this real yeah. fast jerky motion and and I keep saying I don't have one of these lasers it would be so evident but I will I am aware of it and I recognize that that's not what I want to be doing but it's it's almost like just this urge to to get the gun up fast when uh really uh smoother slower and smoother is is better than that uh, fast jerky motion oh it, 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 it's it, it once again if you, you see the big boys, you know, the champion shooters and so on and so forth, and really great bird shooters, you know, the, 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 the high bird um, people in, in Europe where they're shooting birds at like 40, 50 yards in the air, and um, they're bringing down pairs. And, 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 you know, obviously they've got a lot of money. <laughs> they've, they've trained a lot. They've shot a lot. They've had a lot of tuition and everything. But everything's, they've all got the same thing. They've got, uh, you, you know, really good gun mount, excellent footwork, and they, 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 they you know, a really hard focus. They capture the bird, and and they're not looking at the gun at all because the gun fit is is you know proper gun fit. You can't have a good gun fit without a a, a good gun as such, and you have to get your gun made not made to measure but to fit so that. Your eye looks exactly the same place down the rib and out to the bird every time. 
and 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 that's what they do. They 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 they've got their art focus. They've got their footwork, and and they 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 they've got a really smooth gun mount, and they look effortless. Yeah, they actually look like 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 they were on a stage, you know, like in in, in a big. Um, if you're watching a line of guns in in Europe, then it, because of all the footwork and the dropping of the shoulders and the angles of the guns, because you're on hills and things, and they um they literally look like they could be on a on a film set or or you know at a show. <laughs> they they're so sort of coordinated and articulate. You know. Yeah, let's let's talk footwork a little bit. We've we've hit on a few of these things, yeah. and and a lot of them will come up throughout the conversation, I think. But yeah. uh, poor footwork. So you mentioned the when you had somebody standing in your office and kind of mounting practice mounting twelve and two, so folks can envision that it's kind of a forward facing little. Dell will always say forty five degree. Um, it's kind of the same same stance, uh, roughly shoulder width apart. Anyways, I, I don't want to get too into that because that's sort of practicing. And if you are if you were standing on a on a peg. But how do we focus on our footwork, or are there any things that you do to encourage good footwork for somebody that is out walking behind a dog and moving over uneven terrain? And you know, we're not standing in one place waiting for the birds to come to us. We're we're walking towards birds or walking towards a spot. How do we think about footwork in that scenario? Yeah, well, if we take it from an upland bird sense, where you know birds are in cover or they're in coveys or individuals yeah. away from. The, the old thing about it is it, it, it's a different thing. If we're talking about driven game shooting and, and, and you know, whatever one it will be, grouse, partridge, um, pheasant, they, they're, they're, you know, it goes back to landed gentry. They, they've got their loader, they've got the paragons, they've, they've got everything there, and they've got their footwork. Whereas we go around to the other side and the upland bird hunter, you know, well, what what he's got is is he's got a gun and he's got footwork, but he's going to be walking. He's going to have to see how he's going to, you know, his personal way of carrying the gun safely, but but effectively he can he can mount it when a bird, you know, might catch him out in a flash. And it, it's once again it's footwork though, you know, as you're walking along, and and all of a sudden the bird breaks cover. What you do is the deadliest move a bird shooter can make is to step into the line of flight. Yeah. Because if you step into the line of flight, the gun has moved to the bird and your body shape has turned so you can turn through 180 degrees and hopefully you take this bird in the middle of that, uh, that, that thing right down the, the tunnel as such. And, um, and, and that's what it's about. It's about hard focus. You know, you have soft focus when you're walking. The hard focus is triggered by the bird and the wings and the mm-hmm. and and then you just make that you don't get excited and dash it in your shoulder and swing it around like you're conducting an orchestra. You just make that smooth, trapezius move and pull the trigger. And uh, it, it, it once you groove it, and and the thing is, the person who really takes his time is so much faster than the person who does that kind of like um yeah you know. The, the dance, you know, where where they 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 they, they, they don't move their feet, and then they you know they get the gun and they mount it in the shoulder twice and drop their head once, and then they realise they can't turn and they they they're bending their body to make the gun go somewhere, and 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 you know they wonder why this guy over here is smooth and and efficient and 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 he shoots consistently well, and they wonder why they're not shooting consistently well, but it's because none of the fundamentals have been really grooved and, 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 and um, put in place to allow them to, to make these, you know, smoother shots at distance and so on and so forth. And then hills come into it as well, you know. 
when you're walking around the sides of hills and so on. You know, you know again, you need ankle support, really good ankle support for that kind of shooting. Because it, a lot of the time, some of those little pathways that you work your way around, the stone has moved over the years and everything else. And, and it's very easy to, to, um, to slip or, or, or you know, make a mistake. And so really good boots, and, you know, so ankle support, good trade yeah. and so on. You know, they're, they're an essential part of your shooting. And you should be wearing those when you practice your gun mount in the mirror because you'd be making that little step to the left or a little step to the right. And, and, you know, use the equipment that you're going to use in the season. Yeah, excellent. Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit uplandguncompany.com. And so, again, a lot of these things that that you're talking about, they are things that when all is said and done and we are in the moment in the field hunting birds, a lot of this will be unconscious or subconscious, but it's working on, on little things and little pieces of the puzzle at home when you're consciously thinking about them helps you when you are, when you are in that moment and it helps you do them smoother and more fluidly. Yeah. So, you know, like it's, it's like the karate kid, you know, yes, wax on, yes. wax off. <laughs> and he goes, Mr. McGarry, all you're doing is you're using me to, you know, like to polish the car or wash the windows. And he goes, show me, bring, you know, paint the fence. And of course, he blocks the, the kick. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing. You, you, you know, if, if you get kids before they've, you know, got into bad things and it, their, their eyes are tested, you know, you test them for eye dominance. So you make them shoot right or left-handed according to their eye dominance. And then you start working with them. And, and the laser is useful because they, they can get a reaction to what they're doing. And, and you work with them and work with them and work with them, and they just groove it all. And it, it's amazing how you'll get one of the, the, the youngsters, again, the young men now, and they'll come back with dad or, you know, like uncle, and they come back and, and the, the dad's still got the same faults that he had when I was teaching him, you know, like, 20 years ago or whatever and the boy's here and, and he's like a clockwork toy because he's got it all grooved out and you know and he, he, of course the dad's as proud as you know of his boy and but but the fact is the boy hasn't got any of the faults yeah yeah you know he never learned them in the first place you know he, 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 he just grooved the right stuff in the first place yeah awesome all right, let's well, let's talk about focus a little bit because that's that's next on the list and I recall when I was reading your book, there was some there was some interesting information in there about focus and something that I had kind of I guess realized in shooting and um, mainly when I'm at the Clay's course is you know we talk about this hard focus on the target so this laser like focus on the target 
And I think it was in your book that I was reading like that. You really can only maintain that for, for a, a relatively short period of time. And it's, it's all part of this gun mount. And you mentioned it earlier, soft focus when let's say we've got a dog on point, we're walking in soft focus would be kind of that you're, you're, you're seeing more peripheral vision. You're relaxed. You're taking in the surroundings because you don't know exactly where the bird is. Then the bird gets in the air, and that's when we snap to that laser-like focus. First of all, is that correct? And then how do we think about those things, and, and how do we work on them? Uh, well, you, you, you've described it well. Basically, it, it, it's referred to as pursuit movement. And um, what pursuit movement is, and it goes back to, 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 to animals and, and so on and so forth, if and we were evolved from animals, you know, from the chimpanzees. So what happens is when something moves in our peripheral vision, we automatically look at it. Mm. You know, you must have been in your office at one time, and somebody walks past the door, and you you, you automatically turn to look at what went past the door. Yep. And and it's pursuit movement. So every um, person and and the evolvement of of of, of the, the Homo sapiens, they they they. they the what what happens is is you don't look at the gun. That's why it's so important to have gun fit, and uh, the gun that fits. And what you do is you soft focus with your eyes. So you just rest your eyes out where you think the bird's going to flash, or if if you're already seeing a bird coming. And what happens is pursuit movement happens where where one eye sees it, your dominant eye, and fixes on the on the bird. The second eye will look at the bird and that will be a triangle into your two eyes so that gives you size and distance spatial vision so that's how you can see the gun in your peripheral vision as uh, and maintain hard focus on the on the target i'd be at a clay pigeon or a live bird your, your total focus is on the bird it's out past the gun on the bird and in your peripheral you know you think how you drive your car you know you get in your truck and you, you drive up the freeway, and you're looking through the window. How to keep it between the other cars, between you, you know, in their lanes. And it's peripheral vision. Your peripheral vision is looking to where the car is safe in the lanes, and your pursuit movement is looking out the front because somebody might cut you up and cause a problem. So it, 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 it's throughout nature, whether it's a, a rabbit or, or, or a human being, with the pursuit movement's a, a natural reaction to movement. And that's what where it goes wrong a lot of times with people who've just started shooting or they've learned bad habits is where they snatch the gun up, punch it into their shoulder pocket, and then seesaw it two or three times till their cheek's in a comfortable place and make the shot. Well, in that period of a, of a minute, 90 seconds, like it's like a semaphore. The gun's gone past the target, back to the target, mm. past the bird, back to the bird. And what, what you really want is precision pointing. You know, the big muscles of the body turn to turn and turn the gun. Your head and eyes are following the gun, and, and you're looking at the bird, and, and you just it just happens. You know, it's almost like um, you've got a, a, a Picasso with a paintbrush, and you're just finishing off a little little touch of, uh, you know, sky or grass or something. It, it, it's, it's all about um, everything's got to be calm. Everything's got to be smooth. Yeah. Smooth is a better word for it. And it's uh, training yourself in the mirror, training yourself in the lines, walls and ceilings, having some lessons if needed, and then working you out. So, you know, you work on your footwork, get a little medicine bowl, eight pounds, same weight as a gun, put it on a, 
on, on, on a, a shelf or a drawer where you can pick it up and turn and put it down, pick mm. it up and turn. So you, you're building all those muscles and strength in the arms. And uh, it all eventually arrives <clears throat> in the one place where, you know, somebody will say, God, he's a great shot. And what it is is he's probably put about six to ten years into it. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and and you can cut that down to a year if you've got the time to, to train, but it, it's it, it's learning the right muscle memories and, and the, 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 the eyes, how the eyes work. That combination, um, as I say, usually the, the, the biggest things I say is the gun fitting is essential and nobody gets a gun fit, they just buy it over the shelf. Poor gun mount and, and early, the, the, easily the most fault of, of, of missing is poor gun mount. Poor footwork is, is, is followed by, you know, the, the poor footwork is followed by poor footwork, what I'm saying. And then lack of focus, hands and eyes on the bird always. And, and, and people don't, they, they move the gun quicker than their eyes move. And so the, the, the eyes leave the gun, lose the gun. Mm. They, they, you know, the gun goes out, it's there, but it, it's not in a straight line where it should be. And then, um, as I say, then eye dominance issues, which we think is need application of looking for help in learning to hard focus. It, it, it's also to do with eye dominance is, is, you know, left or right. Do you change shoulders when they're, when they're children? You know, like in, you, you can see their left eye and right eye dominance. So you, you test and teach them to shoot left-handed. And a lot of the parents will shoot, teach them right-handed because that's how they've learned to shoot. So they've always got this cross-dominance right. issue going on. And, and vice versa, it's like, like people growing up, um, you know, they're getting older and then they take up shooting later. And, and yeah, it's more now, people, a lot of good instructors now, they'll, they'll start them off on the, you know, I say the right shoulder, the left or the right shoulder that they should be shooting from. Correct the right shoulder, footwork, yeah. You know, left or right, and they should be, you know, stance, posture, and so on and so forth. So... Um, I have a little classroom type thing, and when somebody comes on the first place, and I spend the morning, well, I take them out in the first place, um, look at them shooting, film them on a on an iPad, bring them back, show them what they're doing wrong on the iPad, and from there we start doing a little along the walls and lines and ceilings, along the lines of skateboards, up the corner of the rooms, using lasers and lights, and then when we're quite happy with that, that's we'll go out and shoot the first targets, you know, the thing. And I, you want to make the, the the first targets not easy, but but you know they can be shot if somebody makes a really nice smooth move and the bird's just got enough spring on it to you know to come up and then just hang there for that second. Building and let the confidence. Them, you know, yeah, build the confidence. Work on their gun mount. Learn to look at the target art, yep. and those are the the, the things. Um, once again, you know, mentioning eye dominance, it, need, it needs um, a lot of help. You know, it's no good. You know, you can put a dot on your glasses, you can close an eye, you can do whatever you. But um, it, it, it needs um, some help with the eye dominance, especially if, if somebody's going to um, have a gun fitting for a gun and, and everything else. People say to me, "Why can it take you know three hours?" And the, the answer to that is is that um, it takes that because I've got to teach the person to shoot all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that eye dominance one is is more common than you know. A lot of people have eye dominance issues, and it, partly sometimes I think because it's 
it's not always permanent. You know, you can develop eye dominance issues. Fatigue can play into it. But that is one that a lot of people, they don't even realize they're struggling with it. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it's everything. It's how did you sleep? How did you get up? Did yeah. you drive all the way out to, to the hunt or whatever? And then you went and got your bucket in the dove field and sat down and everything else. Yeah, you know, of course, you, you've got that. That um, uh, there's no end of, of you know lack of focus and eye dominance issues. Do you have a? Do you have a? Now this is definitely uh, somebody like you or a or a Dell Whitman can can walk somebody through some exercises and get a pretty good handle on somebody's eye dominance uh, issue or lack of issue. Do you have a preferred sort of at home method that that folks can try just to see if they have any idea oh, if they're they have an issue? The easiest, yeah, the easiest one in the world and the, and the cheapest one in the world and everything. Is if you're sitting in your house and 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 you want to look at something like i.e. at this moment in time, uh, there's a china doll on the on the shelf about I don't know, 20 feet away from me. If I hold my thumb up, which I'm left-handed, so I'm holding my left thumb up, and I look really hard at the china thing, I've got two fingers. I've got my thumb and a ghost thumb. And if I was right-handed, which I'm going to do now and come up right-handed, I've got two thumbs. Again, and it's visual diplopia. It's the, 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 you you, um, you can't see in, in two places with one, um, one one vision. You have to have one eye on the target and, and one eye on the gun, or looking down the gun's a better expression. And and that's the secret to it is not you you, you left eye dominant or right eye dominant, whichever. You you look at the bird and the guns, your eyes down that, but you've got to put lead on it, and lead is in the peripheral vision. You know, you, you, you can see the target in your peripheral vision, or, you know, if it's a straightaway, you can shoot straight at it, no problem. But but if you're putting the three or four feet of lead on it, you've got to be pointing the gun three or four feet away from the target, maintaining your vision, you know, on the on the actual target. And so you're looking hard at the target, and then you brush out and pull the trigger, and then the clay breaks or the bird falls out of the sky. But it's um, it's all about hard vision. Well, it starts with footwork, stance, posture, and then head, you know, structure, head position, body shape, the gun that fits, and then hard focus, learning that your eyes. I always tell the young, young kids, and they don't know it anymore. But I always said Wiley Coyote when he'd always look down the down the. Uh, the cliff, and there would be the road runner, you know, and the road runner would go boom and come into perfect vision, you know, <laughs> like the road runner there, yeah. and and that's what it should look like. You should you 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 you're you're moving down and you're going down, and when you get to where that bird is and the leads on it, it should pop, you know. It, it, it should, you know if you're looking right correctly and you're moving the gun at the right speed, if you move the gun too fast, your eyes will go back to the gun because sure. it's the the faster moving object. It, it's the little chimpanzee in the back of our head. It's a fight and defense mechanism, so you you've got to make it all calm. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be a calm experience. Yeah, that that is again. It's it's one that I I mean I don't know if everybody does. I mean I'm I'm sure to a certain extent, but you know when I'm hunting, you know the the bird gets up and and that excitement the excitement of the flush kind of overrides and and I always say short circuits my systems and that's where I you get tension in your body, you, you start to move more, you, it's a more jerky movement, all of these things, you know, it's just a, it's a downward spiral if you, if you get that short circuit and you, you get out of that flow or that smoothness to it. Yeah, that, that's a perfect explanation of it, and probably 80% of the, 
a planned bird hunters, uh, you know, because they, you know, they've got businesses. They don't come out and practice enough. They go to the shooting ground occasionally, but you know, the, the really great shots are, are really doing it for a living. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know they, 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 that's what they do, and and then you you can become very good and 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 in a reasonable period of time, um, but but it's just understanding, you know, how how important it is for, for, for things that you never consider, you know, your footwear, you know, supporting the ankles, yeah. you, you, you know, to just, you know, the good support, um, clothing that you can wear, it doesn't snag. In other words, when you're trying to mount your gun, you, you, the stock of the gun isn't snagging in the, the piece of cloth between your, your, your bicep and your chest muscle. And that's always a popular one. You see the person trying to snag it, whereas what he should be doing is his gun mount should be pointing the gun out to the bird or out to the clay target. And, of course, the gun comes up into the shoulder pocket on the deltoid and it's ready to shoot, whereas you'll see them, they have to get out of the snagged piece of cloth. So they pull the stock down and push it away from them and then they bring it back under their cheek. But the, the stock isn't in the shoulder pocket correctly, so the gun's shooting offline. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of sort of raising the gun up and lifting the gun, talk about the relationship between the, uh, I'll say the lead hand and the trigger hand in the shotgun. Cause I know it was, yeah. it was, uh, it was in your book, the instinctive shot where I got a really interesting tip where I can't remember the exact reason why to do it, but you, you can educate me on that or reeducate me on that. But it was stretching the gun you know a feeling of putting a slight tension between your hands like you're elongating or stretching the gun and that i believe that shifted the movement towards your lead hand and helped you sort of raise the gun and and push it out with your lead hand yeah if we if we just said you know like right-handed and you, you you're you're there and and, and you're going to shoot the bird you, you you want a little step if possible, but if you don't need the step, you don't have to have it. Yeah. But but yes, you, you, the gun should be like it's stretched, like it's an elastic band. So your front hand is on on the woodwork, uh, you know, the forehand, and, and 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 pointing the gun out to the barrel, so that your forefinger is now uh, the, effectively the, the the shot. Your your eyes down that rib, looking down past the the the, the, the hand that's holding the gun. The other uh, thing you want the gun to move like like a that, that as it comes to the cheek and, and, and the hand is pointing out at the bird, your eye should be right down the rib without any conscious reaction to it because you're looking past it to what you're trying to shoot. At the target. Yeah, bang. And that's why, you know, I'll start a lot of people off on clay targets where they're, they're, they're across the field and they come up really high and, and hang in the air. And so they can start to learn to make this lovely, long, slow, smooth move mm -hmm. and break the target. Then when I get the smoothness into them, I can lower the target down, and then the target's got a bit of fizz on it, and then until it's got a lot of fizz on it, and then usually they're, 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 um, they're, they're getting the gun mount and, and where their eyes should be and how their hands and shoulders should work to make the, 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 the gun mount a complete movement. Yeah, excellent. All right. Well, I do. Uh, I appreciate your your comments on fitness and or lack of fitness being a, a reason why upland hunters might miss. And we've we've touched on a few things again. Going for a walk, hiking hilly terrain, having the right boots. Um, you mentioned the medicine ball. I, I've got an eight pound medicine ball here. I haven't uh, haven't done too many gun mount exercises with it, but I might have to take a take a tip on that. What other what other uh, conversation is there around around the fitness aspect of things? One of the biggest things that creates a really, really things is poorly fitting shotguns. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, they, they they create more problems, and 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 if you combine it with somebody, you know, like and are going to make brand names because it's not fair to anything. But they're all much of a much, except when you start going into the really high value guns. But but if um, you know, when they mass produce a shotgun, it's mass produced for Mister Five Foot Ten that weighs eighty five pounds. Yeah. Now, now, if you're Mister Five Foot Ten, you, you, you're pretty lucky. You're in luck. And the rest of them, they, they have to have an extension put on their stock pad, or they, they don't ever put one on because they don't realise that the stock length is important, and the way to the gun, and and, and da 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 da. And and so it, it, it's a fitting, you know, it is poorly fitting shotguns create all of the head, unwanted head movement, all of the seesawing with one end lifting and one end pointing. Um, they're not turning the body with the big muscles of the, of the legs and the hips and everything else. They're, 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 they're swapping ankle to ankle and, and rainbowing and seesawing. And, and all it needs is a little bit of um, calmness, a little bit of smoothness. And the best way to go is to go to a, a clay's course or if you've got a, a field with, with a, a trap in it and just get a clay to go away from you about 25 yards, 20-something yards, and just let it go up so you can see all the rings on it, and just let it peak. And the, and, and the gun movement should be one of, you're standing, you're ready, you go pull and it goes up, and you just, with, with a gun, you just point the target out and squeeze the trigger gently. And you try to move as smoothly and quietly as you can, and that will just build. You know, you, you'll just start grooving the smooth movement required yeah. to shoot the longer and bigger shots. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. All right, let's talk about shotgun weight. What are the issues with a shotgun that is too heavy? And then, and then I want to, I want to address what what the issue would be with a shotgun that's too light. What 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 do we? How do we think about a shotgun that might be too heavy for us? That one's probably more obvious than the other one. Yeah. If if they're too heavy, one, you know, they're like unless you've got the you've got the body strength and everything else to be able to, you've got to be safe with a gun in the first instance. Yeah. And I've seen occasionally where the gun's been too heavy for a youth and, and lowered the gun down, and it, it's not been dangerous, but the barrel's pointing into the ground in front of them, you know, because it's heavy, and they've been shooting. Doesn't have enough control over the gun because it's too yeah, heavy. Yeah, control, you know, they're, yeah. they're the thing. And, and they get stronger and bigger and everything else, and, yep. and so on. So it's usually that the shotgun that's being used, you know, like there might be one in the family, you know, everybody's got, and, and they want to, them to progress and move on. But I must add that the amount of um, clay target shooting grounds and, um, and and the clay target, the, the youth teams are amazing. Um, the ones at Forest City Gun Club um, and, and around the country, they, they're, they're so small, you think to yourself. And you see them on the skate field, the trap field, the sporting clays, and they're, they're, they're as good as most grown-up people. Yeah. yeah. So it, 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 I think tuition from, from the start, if possible, if the finances allowed for it, um, are, are the things that the, these these youngsters, the youth, and, and especially a lot of the, the, the girls and everything, they, they come through, they're, they're, they're superb, you know, they're, they're gun handling, um, how safe they are, uh, everything about what they do is professional, and, and hence, you know, they're moving on through, through different um, age groups, and there's a lot of scholarships to be won around the country if you can you can make a team, you know, a clay's team. Yeah, and then switching over to what what issues arise and and what are the problems with a gun that might be too light? Oh well, if a gun's too light, it it, it it's recoil. Yeah, 
Um, you know, you, you change, how you control recoil is the shoulder pocket, and then 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 you've got your hand on the on, on the grip and the trigger or the straight grip, depending if it's a field gun, and your hands on the front. Now the hands should be be like shock absorbers, so your hands and arms are actually taking a lot of the recoil and the shoulder pocket is. And of course, if you've got your weight over your front foot and you're leaning forward, it, 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 it absorbs a lot of recoil, but you'll see a lot of people who the gun's a little heavy or whatever, they go onto their back foot to control the weight of the gun in the mm. hand. And what they should be doing is getting a bungee cord and putting their foot under it and holding the bungee cord and lifting it up and pointing like they were... You know, and build that left arm up or right arm, depending sure. on what side you're shooting up, and, and get the strength that you don't have to you know, move the gun up and down all the time. And then it's, it's just a, a matter of strength, instruction, obviously, yeah. um, and, and, and the little, little quirky things that you teach them you know, how to do stuff. Uh, you know, eyesight, how to look, where to look. You know, this bird needs ten foot of lead as they get bigger and older, and you can coach them, and you can say, "Look there," and you, you, you put the gun about halfway out, five feet. Look at it really hard. Put another five on and pull the trigger. Of course, those five feet back here at the gun are, are inches and feet. Sure, <laughs> out yeah. there at the yards. Yeah. and uh, it takes a little bit of learning that you're looking at the um, the clay target over here, and the gun's like four feet off to the left, you know, but it's still in your vision. Yeah. 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 And uh, but those are skill levels that you, you you have to bring them along slowly but surely. And it, it's great to deal with you teams because they've got no... Um, you, you've got a blank blackboard, you yeah. know, you can work with them. Whereas if you... And I get a lot of, of older people... Um, come for gun fittings and, and shooting and lessons and everything else and so on. And um, they, like the youth teams are so d- d- trained from the beginning that they, they you know, as I say, they, they're just there. They just do what you ask them to do. And that, whereas I have to sometimes start practically all over with with getting somebody who's always stood this way and he should be standing that away. You know, a lot of or, bad habits. You know, should be, yeah, bad habits. You know, but but they're groove bad habits. Yeah, and and so sometimes it takes you know lessons or, or the thing. I try to write stuff and, and send things to people and advise them and so on and so forth. But but yeah, it, it's it's a matter of of looking at the person, what they're doing, where they are on their learning curve, or if they're over the learning curve. Because another thing you have to be prepared to do as an instructor is that if you're, you've had somebody that you've been working with for a good while, there's a ceiling on how long you've worked with them. And it might be that somebody else has got, to, because it's very similar in conversations on this, but there might be somebody who can communicate better with that person. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, about a specific yeah. issue or, or thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and I think that, you know, as a, as a coach and instructor, you, 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 you could look at something, or I, I've had been, and look at it and think to myself, well, you know, Sons was great with the kids like that. You know, those ones who are getting into like 12, 15 and, and everything. And, and, and they, 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 he's great with them. He's got great communication with them and everything. So I will, you know, literally introduce, or, you know, him to, to people that I've worked with or the parents have asked me to do some stuff and said, look, you know, Harry's a really good guy to work with. He's just got a knack with them. 
So it, it's no good being stuck in your way, and 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 like my way is the highway, and um, this is how it happens, or it doesn't happen at all. You've got to be flexible and be prepared yeah. to try different things, and 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 actually realize that you're not communicating communicating correctly with someone, and and somebody else might be able to you know, get a better better take out of it. So. You know, none of us are geniuses. We might think we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, some do. It's. I think that's a great. That's a great point, Chris. I. I think it's one of those things that. I think it's one reason I really like podcasts because, like you're saying, you you might have three people tell you exactly the same thing, but in their own way, and only one of those person's explanations might be the one that connects with me nick or you chris you know it's just it's sometimes some somebody says something in a certain way that resonates with an individual and that's why i think it's important to as you say be flexible keep an open mind uh love listening to different conversations and different um explanations from different people because that's what i mean that's how we learn that's a that's a great great point well you know it's it's the old light bulb moments yeah you know you 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 you're there, and, and 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 all of a sudden something just like you know out of the blue. Try this, yes. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it it's just you know you got somebody over a hill, you know, and they're 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 up and running again. Yeah. Yep. All right. This next one, we could we could do an entirely separate episode on the stuff in this next one, and we we probably will at some point. But give us some thoughts on on why we might miss based on having the wrong gauge, choke, or load for the quarry. Oh, the the, um, the, the when you say quarry, are we talking about birds now or clay? Targets? Yeah, birds, or, birds, birds. Uh, the the things well, it, it, it's it's actually a combination of 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 things. You know, like a poorly fitting shotgun. You know, in other words, the guy goes in. Buys a silver pigeon one. I'm just pulling that out the app from anything, and um, he, he shoots that gun regardless of his height, his build, anything, and, and he shoots pretty well with it. But he'll, you know, what they always say is you never shoot to your full potential. But um, he's happy and he's doing things. But I think you have to find the right shotgun and gauge to match. You know, if you're bird shooting, simple stuff in my thing. A small gauge, you know, a small gauge, small bird, yeah. or a small bird, small gauge. You know, and then the birds being shot, you know, four tens and so on and so forth. Um, it, it, it's the, the different gauges and it's just strength, size, everything. What are you shooting? You know, you, the last thing you want to do, in my opinion, is take a 12 gauge out to shoot a quail. <laughs> and uh, I just think, therefore, um, if you've only got a 12 gauge, shoot a light load in it. Yeah. But um if if you if you're able to you know maybe you know for your for your dove and um, quail shooting if you get the opportunities maybe a twenty gauge you know which is a good all rounder as well if you think of the twelve and the and, and the and the twenty they're yeah. probably the most used two shotguns yeah. and uh, and they, they, I hate to say makers names they they're not an expensive gun you know the entry level guns and that entry level gun is exactly the same um, ballistically. As the as the top of the range gun, that the barrels will be from the same, you know, manufacturer, and uh, everything else will be you know much the same. So people can you can can shoot a gun on a budget, and hopefully they pass out of college or, or hopefully they win the lottery, and then they can go out and buy the uh, custom gun of their choice. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well. What about chokes? Because I know that's a. I read some. Definitely, that was a topic in in your instinctive shot book. 
and I, you've got some thoughts around chokes. It's one that we can very easily get carried away with, right? Because it's this, sure. it's this feature on a gun that we can, with a wrench or sometimes even just with our fingers, we can change it. So yeah. it's naturally, it's something we think about, something we change. But what should we know about chokes, Chris? Well, well chokes, you know, originally were just to extend the range of the shotgun. You know, the, the, the pellets back in that era were, were soft lead. You know, they, they didn't have antennae. And so the pellets deformed, you know, so they, they, they used um, at, at like a larger shot size as such to, to, to get the deformity, you know, into the forcing cone, down the barrel and out through the, the, the choke. Yep. Well, times have changed. You know, they've got monolithium chrome line barrels. They, they've got um, really um, top grade cartridges and even the cheapest thing you can buy in, in Walmart or somewhere, you know are going to be better cartridges than they used to be 20 years, 30 years ago. And um, so what, what, you, what, what you've got is you, you want to shoot a cartridge that doesn't knock the filling out of your teeth, yeah. but gets the job done. And uh, if you haven't got any choked system in the gun, most guns now come with a, an adjustable comb, uh, adjustable choke or adjustable comb. And um, I just think that it's... Uh, you, you, you shoot a cartridge that's got the, the, the you, you need to go to the pattern plate, basically, to see how your gun patterns at different yardages with the different chokes, because you get a set of four or five multi-chokes. And you need to go to the pattern plate and spray a little dot on it, obviously wear glasses so if there's any pellet reset. And if, if it's a child, you'd be using a, an adult to do it for you. And you, you impact test the gun to see... Um, if it shoots point of aim or if it shoots high or low, because then that can be adjusted on the comb. You know, you can, if it's an adjustable comb, it's fine. If not, you, there's ways of making it fit. And then um, after that, you you, you turn around and um, make sure, as I say, it fits and it's all done and set up. And then the person, they, they you can get them. And from there, you can build on it. You can, I, I quite like letting them shoot the pattern plate. So that, that you know, obviously glasses on and everything else. But when they shoot the pattern plate, they, they, they see their shot cloud, and, and yeah. it's this little circle of pellets and everything. Well, it, 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 it gives them an idea of what what's actually going down range. There's this little ball of shot, and you know, there's in this great cloud that everybody or a lot of people think that mm-hmm. you can't miss with a shotgun because it's got this big cloud of shot. Well. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. It's just the center column down the middle of the cartridge that's protected. So when it, when, when it, uh, the cartridge slams back on the face, at the pellets at the back of the cartridge case, they, they get deformed. It then goes in the forcing cone, and they get and it opens and they get deformed again. And then they rub down the go down the barrel, and it's like rubber dub 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 all the way down, and they're getting faceted. And then they finally go out the choke system. And they get squidged by the choke. So a lot of the pellets are deformed and, and faceted. And they're the ones that peel back. If you ever see a picture of like a tadpole, and it, it, the ones that really count are the ones right down the middle of the, the stream. And they're the ones that have been protected, like, like all the way down the barrel. And so they're, 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 um, they fly accurately. And it, it, you only get about 10 to 12 pellets out of that, that, you'll get more if you shoot them at a closer range or anything. But as they go down, air resistance, and and I think that um that the antinomy, if you're going to be a serious 
competition shooter, bird shooter, whatever it is, you'll see that they will all pay that extra money for for the cartridges they use. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. you're referring to, to the antimony content in the lead, which makes the pellets harder and less likely to deform, which increases. Yeah, and so you swarm. You know, you shot swarm going out. Yeah. It, 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 it's just you know superbly efficient <laughs> yeah. compared to. Um, lead that's getting deformed and, 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 and you, you're getting more flyers. So you're getting that, that core that's essential is, is getting, um, what's the word for it? Um, it's not dissolving, but it's, it's breaking down as it goes along. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that is a lot of great information, Chris, and uh, hopefully that gives some listeners something to think about. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a few more excuses built into our when we when we miss birds this season, and uh, hopefully more importantly than that, maybe we've got some things that we can we can work on and, and improve our shooting. There's just a couple of little things out at the end, but which we're not to have to do it. But I just put poorly fitting shotguns creates bad results. Yes. Yeah, you know, that that was just you know the thing, and then. It's important that the right shotgun engaged to match, i.e., birds being shot with a 410 or, or you know, small gauge cartridges, or or through 12 gauges. And there's people that are shooting. You know, you, you should. You don't have to have 10 shotguns or anything like that. But if you're going to be an upland bird shooter, a 20 is perfect, or a 16, or, mm-hmm. or you know, think a lot of people shoot 20 inch. But I'm just saying it. Or a 20 is fine. Whereas, is it the arrow or is it the Indian again? Uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where getting the gun fit, working with with someone, or, or working yourself, working it through with friends on the pattern board and shooting targets, and you know, looking at the videos and going online and seeing how how people's stance, posture, head position, you know, the gun mount practicing in the mirror and everything else, and those those are the fundamentals that create the good shots. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as as I mentioned a couple of times, you, you've uh, you've got a few books out. I, w- I would highly recommend to anybody listening to this episode if they're interested. Um, your book, The Instinctive Shot: A Practical Guide to Modern Wing Shooting, fantastic book, great resource, ton of stuff in there. Um, they've probably heard me talk about many of the things I read in there uh, over many many episodes. So I would definitely recommend folks check that book out if interested. I'll put a link to the show notes. Chris, uh, you you do gun fittings. You do instruction. How could what other things do you do you do? Talk about the gun fitting just just briefly, and let let folks know how to how to look that up and maybe get in touch with you. Well, they, they, once again, you know, if you've got the money, you have a gun that's made to measure, like you'd have a suit made to measure or a pair of shoes. If you haven't got that, the place to go is it depends on your height, weight, and um, your budget, and and it comes down to I just think that you. Uh, go to the club and uh, find somebody who there, there's always people who are happy to help, you know, especially the youth teams and the youth people and, and get him to the, the, and most people like I have, have got a little semi-auto or, or a brake action 20 gauge or something and you can take them out show them gun safety, work your way through that, show them how to work the gun and everything, let them shoot a few, few targets, nothing special, something going up in the air, just hanging there, so you ignite the uh, interest and uh, the buzz of that first clay breaking, which ensures our shooting will go on for another generation. And then um, it's a matter of, of, of if they like it, um, helping them along, and uh, hopefully we'll all be shooting together for a long, long time. 
Absolutely. Well, I really do appreciate the time, Chris. I, we've, we've, uh, a lot of our customers at Upland Gun Company have been down to do gun fittings with you and they all rave about it. They, they love going to shoot with you and, uh, appreciate everything you do. And I appreciate you taking some time to join us on the podcast today. This has been a lot of fun. Okay, then. And you, you take care. Have a great day, Chris. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.